When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by, with, by, I don't know, I'm sick, the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you Sunday evening. We just watched the Lakers absolutely put a beat down on the Memphis Grizzlies, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about the Celtics Hawks because I did not get a chance to give my thoughts uh, on the game. And I don't really think Jay had a chance to give his thoughts on game one because he was too busy just complaining about me not being there. Uh, I I felt like there's like a very little amount of analysis coming out of that pod and a lot more emphasis on me not being able to, to show up. So... You Jay, sound awful well, right now, by the way. Do I sound do I sound sick, Jay? Are you you sound like you you're you sound like a guy who's faking it, honestly. I've had a hundred and two degree fever for the past like four or five days, but you know what? I got accused of being a bad teammate and I didn't I didn't like that accusation, and so I had to come on the pod and discuss See, I, I would argue that's great leadership from me. I would argue that uh it's terrible leadership from you because but you aired all the dirty laundry uh, in front of everyone. You're not what happened you after I did way. it, You're... though. What? What happened after I did it, though? Here you are on the podcast. Yeah, but now there's just some resentment here that I don't know if it's going to fuel a better podcast. I guess this, the listeners will have to tell us. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like i've i've never been so sick for five straight days that i couldn't podcast uh, in my fair, entire life i'm built to be fair i'm built different when i get sick i get real sick i go i got my, my i never had a fever below 102 you're feeding into my point that you've just been soft this whole time you're like the anthony davis of podcasters anthony davis had a great game tonight and he came back from an injury and continued and had to seven, have a great game, and had so seven blocks maybe this isn't the time to to bring that one up um, but you're only playing into the the reality that that you don't tough out sickness like like a real legend does, like I would. Okay, okay. That's, <laughs> but just, I do hope you feel just... better. I do hope you feel better. <laughs> we're here to talk about Celtics Hawks Game One and the series moving forward. And. My question for you, Jay, is are the Hawks done or are they finished? Because I watched that game and I don't know how they stopped the Celtics on defense. Like, they're, the Hawks defense is just not good. <laughs> you weren't impressed by the way they were totally unable to keep the Celtics from getting layups for the first quarter and a half? No, it's when Jalen Brown was just got to the rim with ease, and then Jason Tatum just got to the rim with ease, and then Derek White got to the rim with ease, was knocking down threes, and just like simple, simple passes just happened. 
The Celtics got up 30 while making like four or five of the dumbest passes ever for turnovers. I would say it might have been more than four or five of the dumbest passes ever. Marcus Smart, for as good of a game he had defensively, he had a stretch there that was just awful. Did I lose Awful you? basketball where he just passed it directly. I don't know whether I lost team. you or... And still the Hawks couldn't do oh. anything. I get that they didn't shoot that well from three to start the game, and that will, like, you could imagine that would have to change, but I just don't see how the Hawks can slow down the Celtics Are you there, for Packard? 48 minutes, and I don't know what their adjustment is. Their adjustment is probably, like, maybe help when the Celtics go to the rim just a little. Like a, at least a little. That's a good one, good start. <laughs> like maybe try to contest shots maybe maybe make the Celtics at least mildly uncomfortable when they're going in for layups I don't know any of those things kind of sounds pretty important to me but yeah the Celtics it was it was not a good defensive performance by any stretch from the Hawks but we knew this was just a bad playoff defense bad defense period but like from the standpoint of the, a playoff team, you rarely see a, a defense that has this many holes in it. And it feels like it's just pure roster construction because Trey Young's their best player. He's also probably their worst defender. And so I don't know what how they figure out that one. That's a I'll, pretty difficult I'll, equation. I'll agree with that, but it also wasn't like entirely on him either. It was like oh, that no, was the just entire a bad, team was awful. But like, yeah, it wasn't like they were just like when I watched the tape from the regular season matchups, I was like, oh, man, they're probably going to just go at Trey every time. And then they didn't even need to do that in game one. It was just like whoever had the ball was, <laughs> was able to get to the rim. It was kind of kind of impressive. Uh, and I think it speaks a lot to the spacing. <laughs> this is fake. This is fake. <laughs> this is fake. I mean, come on. We're not going to buy that. I'm okay. You you sound like, uh, you know, in Newsies when, <laughs> when the, the little kid, what's his name, Les? He, I, don't, he's, I, I don't remember all the Newsies characters. He, he's trying to, like, like convince people to buy his, his newspapers. And he's pretending to be sick, and he says, <coughs> "Buy me last pape, miss." <laughs> like that's you right now. Dun, 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 seize the day. Yes. <laughs> no one can hang us. No one can break us. Let Jay, us oh, seize God. the day. Oh, that's good stuff. Neighbor to neighbor. Father to son, one for all and all for one. What I liked about that performance was just the how scared you were to sing there. Like you did not sing that at all with your chest. That was like a soft, uh, maybe caress into the microphone i didn't want to annoy the people i just wanted to let them know that <laughs> <You> think <it> <laughs> was... <laughs> my newsies <laughs> knowledge goes deep it does it goes way deeper than i ever anticipated never pictured you for a musical person but you know what here we are um like to encourage anyone if you got questions 
hop on, press the <laughs> raise your hand button, and we'll uh, bring you up on stage. Uh, I guess the other big takeaway I have from this game was just, and it's something you touched on in the last pod, but I think the Celtics are just going to keep going small and like starting with Derek White and bringing Robert Williams off the bench. And it just feels like that is makes them so much more dangerous uh, of a team because they can go small and win while playing small. And it felt like last year in the playoffs, like going small was not a really a, a long-term option for them. But now just having Al Horford be able to space the floor is one of, the, I think, the major reasons they got so much uh, just uh, room to drive to the lane and just get all the easy baskets they did. And just they were still able to play lockdown defense with Derek White in the game. It's like they don't need to have Robert Williams and Al Harford on the court to have the best defense uh, possible. Like and that's just like kind of a nice benefit for them. And with that, just their bench of having Brogdon and Robert Williams come off the, uh, the bench, just especially in comparison to all the other playoff games I've been watching over the weekend. There are some teams where it's like, oh man, they, they the Kings really got to survive these Alex Len minutes, or <laughs> oh god, the Cavs are like really relying on Chetty Osman right now, and there's no like portion of the Celtics rotation where it's like, oh god, they like they need to survive this, and so they didn't even play Grant Williams. They yeah, they didn't even need to, and I think like their depth, but especially their ability to play effectively uh, while not relying on both Horford and uh, Robert Williams to be in the game. I think it's it's huge just for their spacing offensively, but two, it also just keeps Robert Williams a little bit healthier, a little bit bouncier, like doesn't have much uh, wear and tear on him, which I think is good for the long run because he's able to come into that game and be a bit of a game changer and change the energy. And so I just think like... Derek White's ability to step up and be a legitimate like starter, scorer, person who can lock his uh, like position down on defense is just huge for the Celtics moving forward. Yeah, it, it felt like last year when they went small, it was a defensive move, right? And I don't mean like it was for defense. I mean like they were forced into it and had no other choice and it decided. Was other, yeah, I was especially watching the Warriors game. I was like, oh, the Warriors. We're so good at like rim protection against the te- like when the Celtics had double bigs on because they could just have guys in the paint and hovering and it felt like they needed to go small to kind of create some more space on offense and now it kind of feels like the the yeah you're right the Celtics are using going small as a way to to attack the other team's weaknesses yeah and then Derek White really is just a different human being and his game in game one probably I probably didn't talk about it enough. Um, there were no headlines after game one about what Derek White did. Uh, and he had 24 points and seven assists, <laughs> you know, he had, that was the second most points he's ever scored in a playoff game. He went four for seven from three, at least two or three of those were pull up three pointers when Two of them were when Trey Young went under the screen and he was just like, fine, whatever. I'll make a three if you want me to. And then another was in a switching defense for the Hawks and John Collins actually played him pretty well and he was like, fuck it, I'm still going to shoot a three in your face. And that's not a Derek White that we saw last year. 
Derek White last year, like he had some big shooting games, but like I said, it was it was more defensive. It was like when teams forced him to like really forced him to shoot, he was cool with it. Um, and shot sometimes and had some big games, some really bad ones. For the most part, that was not a shot he wanted. It felt like he was hunting it in game one. And that just totally changes the Celtics. His ability to shoot near 40% from three this year, if he can sustain that for the whole playoffs, that totally changes the Celtics. And it totally changes the way you have to guard them. When they're small, like, it's just one more guy you have to be, like, like super attentive to. And <laughs> just fake. It's fake. It's fake. And the best part is I've you. I've gone through four boxes of tissues in the past two days. That's a lot of tissues. Do you think you should be rationing maybe? Like, do you think. You want me, you want me to just have a runny nose? No, I'm just saying like. You want me to reuse I feel like there's got to be a more efficient use of tissues than than running through four boxes of them. A lot of Monday morning quarterback here from Jay King. You don't know what's going on in my nose. <laughs> but anyway, back to Derek White. Uh, like if it it feels real because he's been totally different all season. This is not anything new. This is not a one game thing. It's like this is just new Derek White. Um, and the way they use him, how they started him, how they played him thirty nine minutes. I don't think it's just for this matchup. I think. They realize Derek White is one of their best players, and Derek White needs to be on the court a lot, including in crunch time. And it just feels like that's something they learned throughout the course of the season. And it's not something Joe Mazzulla always went to, but it just feels like he's like, yeah, Derek White just needs to be out there because Derek White is very good at basically everything. What was the one game where he didn't play in the fourth quarter and then you uh, motherfucked him the entire next podcast? Was that Utah? Uh, yeah, that was probably Utah. Well, there you go. Jay King, influencer of men. He got me, he got Joe Mazzula to play Derek White. He got me to podcast right now. So I guess, I guess you are a leader. I guess I'm, that's, a- I'm pretty sure Joe Mazzula does not base his decisions on this podcast, but if he does, then it's probably a really bad decision. Um, Can you uh, talk to me about the decision to and subsequent experience of interviewing Joe Mazzulla's jiu-jitsu uh, guru? Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't realize, but I guess during the final game of the regular season, ESPN mentioned Joe's jiu-jitsu instructor, Alex Costa, and and I didn't even realize that, but so someone from his gym who has worked in PR like reached out to I don't know who else he reached out to, might have just been me, um, but he reached out to there's someone. One at, guy for this story. He, he, no, but he reached Jay out to so, someone else at the athletic, <laughs> and then that person contacted me. And I was like, yes, absolutely, I want to write the story about Joe Mazzula and his jiu-jitsu instructor and so i scheduled a an interview for the next day and went over to joe's jiu-jitsu gym which is in like right across the street from aganas arena it's called uh gracie barra boston oh i walk by there every day yeah 
and you should go in because the jujitsu they call them professors in jujitsu at jujitsu academies i guess um professor alex is what they call him over there he's like seems like just a great great person and so i went over and interviewed him sat with him for like two hours well two hours what are you talking about jujitsu instructor for two hours about all his work with joe about a whole bunch of stuff. Does yeah. Joe can can Joe scrap on the mat? I would imagine. He said would, he said Joe could have been an MMA fighter or a boxer if he had like really dedicated himself to. That is the least it. surprising news I've heard all day. Yeah, I mean he was a final four starter at point guard, right? And he was that because he was really tough. Like it wasn't like he was this super skilled like shooter and everything like that. No, he was like a really tough guy and a pretty good athlete who one because of smarts and toughness so i wasn't surprised either to hear that joe mazula is very good at martial arts and could have been awesome at it if he'd really dedicated himself earlier but the the friendship and bond between joe and his brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor to me was like really just cool um Joe reached out to him literally the day he got the job. He was like, all right. He had done jujitsu before and decided I'm going to do this again because he wanted, he wanted someone to coach him while he was the head coach. Like he wanted to get coached too, which kind of makes sense when you think about it. Cause if you're a head coach and just doing your own thing, you can probably lose track sometimes of your own personal growth. And he also like he just wanted to sharpen his mind um and a lot of brazilian jiu-jitsu is like problem solving and everything like that obviously there's a physical component to it but he's really grown to rely on this brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor and it's just a really cool relationship and it's 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 interesting the lengths that joe has gone to to just sharpen himself improve himself work on a lot of different things so that it was really fascinating to kind of hear from both sides him and um his instructor like just what type of stuff they work on how it helps him how it, what, it kinda, are they, is he doing hand-to-hand combat every time what tell me what they're working on here yeah so <laughs> he, he gets put in chokeholds everything else um <laughs> they really like it's it's jujitsu man like it's it's martial arts and uh so, like, I should not, like, try to snatch Joe Missoula's chain at any point because he will thoroughly destroy me. No, he could probably work you over. I, I think, I mean, they call it a gentle art, I guess. But I was watching the training. And it was like they were in some pretty significant holds and trying to get out of it. And there was chokeholds going on. And it was, it was intense. Um and so Joe go th- goes through all of that. They've done it like t- twice a week. The the guy has gone with, he's met Joe on the road in f- several road cities. And it was really cool because this guy like saw it as this as a great professional opportunity when he first got contacted. He lives in Denver. <laughs> what? Yeah, he lives in Denver. And he's like, so Joe called him and asked if he could go over Joe's house that day like joe called him the afternoon he got the celtics head job on an interim basis in september and asked him could you meet me tonight at my house and the guy first he thought it was a prank he didn't think it was really joe mazzola and then when he realized it was real he was like 
he didn't tell Joe, but he was in Denver, and so he scheduled a visit for the next night instead. Took a red eye from Denver to Boston. Did not tell Joe for months that he actually lived in Denver while he was working with Joe regularly in Boston. So just crazy dedication to to keep doing that. Um, probably because it's, it's just a great opportunity to work with the Celtics coach. And he said he saw it as a great challenge. Um, just kind of sharpening someone who's such a high achiever at that age. So it's just really cool all around and really different from what you probably expect from an NBA head coach or really anybody else. Well, that was that was good eight minutes of jujitsu talk, but I appreciate that we went down that road. Now it's time for <laughs> even be- a better surprise. Joshua B., come on down. How are you feeling after the Celtics destroy the Hawks in game one? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Joshua it always takes a while for people to like actually hop on hey yo Josh if I had to guess I'm going to say Josh is excited there he is can you hear me yes sir yeah buddy I'm feeling excellent after the win I came on anything is potable I figured you would be, Josh. Yeah, I, I, I was, um, I was here when Jam Packard was out with the flu. He does sound sick, Jay. This is just like that wave thing. Let him be sick. Let him do the wave. Who cares? What difference does it make? My wife did the wave in my face today at Fenway, like literally in my face today at Fenway Park. She had a great time doing that. Well, I'm, I'm glad that she had a good time. I have a question about the. Um, Celtics, and I have an apology, and then I have another question for you. So two questions. Oh, we got a Josh apology. I feel like you're not a guy who apologizes a lot. I'm not, but in in this case, I really do owe you an apology. Um, This this time, I really do owe you an apology. So the first thing, I'll I'll, I'll start with the apology, which is that at the beginning of the year, I came on Anything is Potable, um, having listened to the basketball buds, and I said, I asked you if you needed help. Um, and I said, if, if you're really watching <laughs> Sacramento Kings, like emotionally, do you need someone to talk to? Do you need like a therapist or, or something? And after last night, um, I owe you an apology because De'Aaron Fox was outstanding last night. Everything you've been saying about the Kings is absolutely spot on. And they really took it to the Warriors. And so you're that was getting- an amazing game, wasn't it? 
Oh, it was man, incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. And it shouldn't have just been awesome for me. And it shouldn't have just been awesome for you. It should have also been awesome for the basketball buds. And my question to you is, are you getting an apology from the Mo Dekeels of the world from the Zach Harpers of the world who teased you relentlessly all year with this um, Sacramento Kings minute? A- yeah. Absolutely not. I will never get an apology. So they went from straight from just shitting on me about my Kings takes to now, today, the Grizzlies lost game one against the Lakers, so they're just on me about my Dylan Brooks takes. That's nonsense! Um, you had that Kings... No, 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 no. That's how it works when you podcast with Jay King. You can't let him get too too, uh, too high on his horse. You, you, if he's right, you... In fact, I don't I don't really like this apology from you at all, Joshua. He, I, I, <laughs> he was right about something. Right. He gets an apology. I, I tease him about it. I, I appreciate you, Josh. I'm not too big to apologize. You're, you're a bigger sure. man than Packard. You you would podcast well, Sid. Well, it's true. I would. But that doesn't change the fact that he's still sick. So this leads me to my Hawks um, Celtics question, which is I thought yesterday was a microcosm of the Celtics as a whole season-wide we got out to this incredible start we were just we were just like um i don't want to use a bad term but we were punching them right in the face we were were smacking them left or right it looked like a massacre after the first half and that's reminded me of the first 26 27 games of the season and then we went into a lull where our effort really wasn't there marcus smart made some amazing assists to jalen brown but like packard said there were a couple of just really stupid plays um, and just really dumb turnovers that made you, that makes, you know, a standard Celtics fan worry. And then we closed it by saying, you know what, the same way we did the last two weeks, which is like, oh, we need to pay attention. Um, The Hawks are getting close to us, you know, down to, I think it was 10. I think that's as close as they got. Um, But yeah, like, and now all of a sudden we wake up and we pay attention and we slam the door on the Atlanta Hawks. Can we get, is, is that going to be the story pretty much for every game against the Hawks. And then furthermore, as a microcosm, can you win playing that way if you're having that kind of game, game after game after game? Or is it going to catch up um, and bite you in the face in the NBA Finals against the um, Denver Nuggets? So I think that, honestly, (laughs) this is, is, I think, the truth of it. The Celtics don't really fully respect the Hawks. <laughs> like like they were they were fired up for the first half. Obviously it's a playoff game. They were locked in. Their defense was incredible for three quarters of the game with the exception of the third quarter. I don't think their like senses are tingling. Like they're they're not sitting there like we're in danger if we have a bad stretch against these guys especially when they were up 30 they just they just let the foot off the gas um they had some really bad offensive possessions i thought that's why part of the reason why their defense suffered for a little while it was just possessions with with no shot and like you said kind of a microcosm of the season it was like the first 26 games or so however long it was they were so dedicated to getting great shots every time down and when they do that they're so tough to stop. But when they don't, they're just a normal team. And and that's what happened in the third quarter. To their credit, they then picked it all the way up. The Hawks 
missed 15 of their last 21 shots. Like they took after Atlanta cut it to 12, the Celtics really, really just shut down everything Atlanta wanted to do. But I don't think you should be too worried about one quarter against a bad playoff team because I think if the Celtics respect their opponent (laughs) in a way that they don't Atlanta, then things will be different and they won't let, let go like they did in that third quarter uh, or like they did during parts of the regular season. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Like during the playoff run last year, sometimes they went through lulls like that, but I just thought it was natural after the way the first half went to kind of have a little lull in the third quarter. Well, then I have a follow-up question. Uh, Ooh. I, have, I have a follow-up question based on your answer, which is, um, do we respect the Sixers? And if the answer to that question is yes, <laughs> then why? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect Josh B. question. Just, just letting it be known that he has no respect for the Sixers and that nobody else should either. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid Uh, is the reason they respect the Sixers. It's the reason why they get up for Sixers games. Um, It's the reason why Al Horford signed with the Sixers. (laughs) One of the big reasons, besides money, obviously. But, yeah, there's a lot of respect for Joel Embiid in a way that they're not going to respect the Hawks. Yeah, it, like... I don't know. I they're up thirty. I didn't expect them to win the game by sixty. You know, I also didn't ex- like necessarily expect them to win the game by thirty. It's just a natural of like when you're playing basketball and you're up thirty. There's just going to be a game of it's a game of run, folks. It's a game of runs, and I think the Celtics deserve some credit for. All right, they okay went on a little bit of a run, and then okay, it got a little bit out of hand, and then they immediately just like slammed the door back and got the lead back up to twenty, and were able to flip that switch. And I think that's something that when the Celtics need to lock in, they are plenty capable of doing it. And I don't think we've seen games this year against good opponents where they've needed to lock in for forty-eight minutes, and they haven't been capable. Like they, there, there's not a game this year against a good opponent where it feels like the Celtics didn't show up, and so I'm not concerned about the the Celtics. I thought it was hilarious when uh, Joe Jitsu uh, answered Corrales's question about whether or not he was concerned. <laughs> that was uh, so funny. Just absolutely <laughs> stone faced. He was just smirking. Yeah, I'm very concerned. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, man. We we just beat the snot out of the Hawks. There's there's no need to to be worried after that one. That was so funny, absolutely hilarious. And so, like, I'm with uh, Joe on this one, where it's I just don't think it's a big deal. You know what? You know what? That's like the reason you get out to thirty point wins is so you can have a little bit of a, a lull there and have it not be a, a big deal or thirty point leads, I should say. It's just like I don't know. I'm not concerned about this Hawks series. Uh, I'm not concerned about the Hawks in general. I'm not concerned about the Celtics as they move forward in the playoffs. They've just seemed one of the most complete, most deep teams uh, I've seen so far, and so. 
um, as I'm watching the Bucks double up or get doubled up by the Miami Heat right now. I feel like it's uh, pretty fortuitous that the Celtics did end up playing the Hawks instead of the Heat because I did think the Heat were going to be annoying. But instead, we got game two against the Hawks on Tuesday night. Jay, any changes you can see? Any wild cards that Quinn Snyder has uh, before we get out of here? Uh, <laughs> help at the rim. But it, honestly, uh, he, he I say up, that he starts a Kongwu and uh, Capella next to each <laughs> no, other. But I say that, but it's tough when the Celtics go small and they have Al Horford spacing at the arc. Like it's really tough to help at the rim and recover and and take everything away. And for a while, like the Celtics just got layup after layup. They weren't shooting a lot of threes, but it was like whatever, you're taking away the arc and you're giving up layups. And then it kind of went the other way a little bit. Celtics started fake, fake coughs. These fake coughs are incredible. Absolutely incredible. You're such a dick. <laughs> are you feeling any better today? Yeah. Uh, this is like 10 times where I was yesterday. Congratulations, man. I hope. Yeah, that's uh, why I'm here podcasting. Are you going to do the back-to-back? podcast again tomorrow yeah buddy i'll be here i'll be here the rest of the week good for you good for you finally toughening up a little bit i feel like i I feel like i've really accomplished something as a leader has yeah no you definitely did something i'm so (laughs) glad i'm so glad your wife did the wave in your face today it makes me smile yeah it was a it's a tough moment that's how i know she's a good woman because she knows to disrespect you to your face in public I feel like I encourage disrespect towards me. I feel like that's absolutely true. It's something about your personality. People like disrespecting you. Yeah, and I have fun with it. So people just continue to do it. So, uh, yeah, at least that's a, that is, I'll give you some credit here. At least when people disrespect you intentionally, you enjoy it. I have some friends <laughs> who have similarly abrasive personalities and then get upset. When everyone is like uh, no, you, chirping you, at them, you can't bring it on and then get upset about it. Yeah, that's my uh, my buddy Jacobs. That's his like go to things. Like, why everyone picking on Jacob? Well, it's Jacob, you're being a dick right now. And Jay, <laughs> you're uh, often a dick, but then you laugh when people uh, call you out on it. So at I least you're good natured about it. Uh, yeah, I have a great good. time. It, I'm just giving myself some some content in life, you know. Yeah, and you're giving the fine folks uh, out there content in life. Five days a week. How did it feel doing multiple solo podcasts, you know? Like, that was how- tough. It's t- I'm not going to lie. It's t- Thank God we have callers because it helps It helps you carry. And, like, I don't think people want to listen to me just speak over and over again. Like, you and I have a good back and forth. We have fun. But when it's just me, it just feels so much more serious <laughs> and so much more, like, boring. Yeah, it's hard to make jokes on your own on a solo podcast. <laughs> yeah, you can't just be like cracking jokes by yourself. But so it was it was great to have callers to kind of break up the monotony that the people must have felt while listening to just me cuz I I feel like that's that's a sad sad podcast when it's just me. But with we're back now. The We're back. I'm the fine. dream team is back. You're welcome to the callers out there. No longer have to listen to a sad, sad Jay King podcast. Um, hopefully my voice will be better and my uh, cough will go away uh, moving forward. We'll be back 
tomorrow. You honestly sound a little better later in the podcast. I feel like you forgot to fake it later on. Maybe it, maybe I just need to get into a rhythm, you know, <laughs> of using my voice. I haven't been talking to many people over the past couple of days. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe oh, sure it'll be better tomorrow. Well, when we'll be back to talk, what more are we going to talk about? Celtics we might have Hawks? to. We might have to get a Hawks guest. Yeah, someone. I want. Well, I want to find the biggest Hawks enthusiast out there, and someone who's going to convince me that the Hawks are going to win Game Two. Like, I want someone to come with the best Hawks argument possible for tomorrow's podcast. So we'll we'll try to figure out who that is, and, and hopefully. Uh, have some rousing discourse on why this series is going to last more than four games. Because at this point, it should be a sweep. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, you heard it here, <laughs> folks. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable. Please rate, subscribe, do everything on iTunes, Spotify, everything like that. I've completely butchered the ending. I got distracted by Giannis missing another layup. It would be very fun if the Heat least took a couple games from the Bucks, But thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable. We'll be back tomorrow, and go Celtics.